investi besties, investing can sometimes seem pretty overwhelming, right? With all the news about inflation, interest rates, and just how everything seems so much less affordable nowadays. It just seems more frustrating when it comes to building that wealth nest. That's why our friends at Moby have your back. Moby is this incredible new app built by a team of former Morgan Stanley investors that are making financial education as simple as browsing a social feed. Moby will create for you a jargon-free update on what's happening in the financial markets every day of the week while giving you hand-picked stocks that cater to how you want to be investing. The best part, the team has consistently beaten the S&P 500 by over 11.9% for the past four years. A very important topic for our generation nowadays is how to get wealthy in an economy broken for young people. The most simple, understandable way for anybody, young or old, to start building their wealth for themselves starts with building confidence in how you invest, and so if you're ready to build your confidence in your investing, you can earn more money with Moby while spending less time, energy, and money on doing so. Join over 5 million people investing smarter, happier, and safer with Moby, the jargon-free app on where you should be investing and what companies you should be considering for your portfolio. Sign up for Moby Premium today by using the GTI code in the episode description box, and you can get a full year of Moby Premium for just $8.25 a month. Remember, just click on the link in the description to get started today. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined today by your host, Sam and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Howdy. Hey there. Just wanted to be different for once. Oh, are we feeling American? We are feeling incredibly American. What does that mean? I have no idea what that means. I've been listening to Olivia Rodrigo's new album and I kind of wish I was like 16, 17 again listening to this music, but I'm 27 and I feel like I shouldn't be like, oh, relating so hard, but it's like a teenage angst album and I love it. She's American. She has a song called All American, not a word that I can say online right now, but yeah. What's the word? I'm going to go look. Maybe that's where I'm getting it from. Oh my God. The B word. Terrible. I oh, know, right? God, not safe for our audiences. <laughs> well, absolutely not, because I went to an event the other day and I had someone say to me, My niece listens to the podcast. And I was like, That's awesome. How old's your niece? They said 12. Oh, I love that. What kind of life is a 12 year old going to live if they're like listening to the podcast already? A very successful one. A very fulfilling, successful, planned out, needs no man, takes care of their own finances situation. I mean, just look at the information that gets given to a brain of an 11 or 12-year-old. If it's like an investing podcast, what were we doing at 11 and 12? Nothing. We would have been like year eight, year nine. I think SpongeBob was on. No, I think that was the age I was trying to convince my mom to wear short shorts. And I think she just gave up that fight. And she was like, yep, go, fine, do you. That was the age me and Sonia were like, we're going to go to a high school next year and the high school's uniform is green. And I said to her, I was like, I want to get green contacts. I'm so thankful that that didn't happen. (laughs) It's like the universe intervened. Oh, the choices that we make. (laughs) And now we're here. Podcast hosts. Now, before we get into the episode, we want to thank our season sponsor, Rentap. Paying rent is a hassle, but what if we told you there's an easier and more straightforward way? Meet RentApp, your ultimate rent-paying sidekick. 
no more ATM trips, no more checks, and no more app juggling. RentApp deposits your rent directly into your landlord's account hassle-free. Plus, it's free to you and your landlord doesn't need an account either. But here's the kick. RentApp doesn't just stop at rent. They're all about helping you build a brighter financial future. There's even an option to report rent payments to boost your credit score, making home ownership more achievable. For our GTI listeners, we've got an exclusive deal. Use our referral link rent.app slash GTI for $50 cash back on your first rent payment. Ready to simplify? Check out the referral link in the description or head over to rent.app slash GTI and make rent a breeze. But anyways, what are we talking about today? Well, as a lot of people have noticed, Netflix shares have dropped dramatically. They have been down more than 70% from the end of 2021 to the end of 2022. Disney shares are down 22% all the way at the end of 2023 from this time last year. And Paramount Pictures are down 40% from this time last year as well. Now, when the world of streaming giants became so popular, it was something that we never expected to have happened. The companies that literally put Blockbuster out of business are now starting to get phased out themselves. I feel like Netflix is like the millennial of the world. I feel like Netflix or millennials were like, we're cool, we're great, we're doing things differently. And then like Gen Z started turning up and we were like, we are old. Like it took a day. Like Gen Z's just said, skinny jeans aren't that great. And we're like, we're being phased out. It's done. We're out of here. It is insane. Now, With extreme subscription fatigue, the average number of subscriptions held per consumer is down 14% worldwide compared to this time last year. And two out of five people say that costs are the main reason for canceling their subscriptions. 26% of people say that they cancel their subscription because they just have too many. So as investors, have we finally come to the end of the streaming model for giants like Netflix and Disney? Should you be reconsidering your portfolio? let's have a talk about it. (laughs) Let's chat. Let's discuss. I want to take it back, do some history deep dives and provide a bit of context when we weren't living in a streaming world. I don't think it's an exaggeration that you use that streaming literally took over the world. And in my head, seemingly overnight, this happened. It really did revolutionize the way that we consume media. Sim and I, and I feel like a lot of our listeners can relate to this as well, we come from waiting a full week before an episode of a show aired, okay? We came from a time where we had to watch certain cartoons only on Saturday mornings because that was the only time it was available. After school shows, only available after school. You know, we burned blank CDs with the latest now that came out and now we have Spotify. It's taken over every aspect of our lives. And then all of a sudden we're jumping into a time where we have full seasons of shows on Netflix like what do you mean I can watch all of the episodes of That's So Raven in one go it just doesn't make sense and I think streaming did what traditional media couldn't and that is offering an extensive library of on-demand content that is accessible through the internet and 
you might be wondering, how do they fund this? It's usually through subscription-based business models, and that is getting users to pay monthly or yearly fees to access their content. And I feel like we've all been very in tune with the Netflix drama. We've covered it on our Instagram page and Twitter. Everyone was just waiting bad news after bad news. And I feel like everyone was on a smear campaign because they've made changes, which felt like they didn't even talk to their consumers about like, oh, this is only a three login max and they're raising their prices because they're in debt. And I think that the idea of subscription-based models, it's not new. Like, I think this is how we differentiated the poor kids and the rich kids. Like the rich kids had Sky They had access to certain TV channels back in the day. They could afford Disney, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network. And I remember there was a very long period of we didn't have Sky. And then we had Sky for like a year, I think. And it was like $45. And then all of a sudden, like we didn't have Sky again. And I obviously was just thinking about the lack of TV, not my family's personal finance. But we didn't have it for years. On the bright side, this was the age where the internet was coming about. YouTube was coming in. And so I feel like I still got some entertainment here and there in the form of music videos and Bethany Motor. Do you remember time without streaming? Yeah. I mean, my family were very strict with internet access. So my dad blocked YouTube when I was little. And then he went to Sonia's house and convinced her dad to block YouTube as well, which led to a very angry phone call from Sonia to me. All because of Chris Brown music videos. (laughs) Yeah. We weren't allowed to watch those at all. I still remember all the intranet. I mean, it was such a different time, like all the intranet cables and they were like bright yellow running through our house into everyone's bedrooms. Like it was just different. It was so different. But I think people really thought streaming services, they would still have a few more years before taking hits. I feel like since its inception in like the early 2010s to now, we're fatigued. You're right. Like we have Disney Plus, we have Crave, we have all these news channels that are also offering streaming on their websites, Netflix, Hulu. You're like, what do you pick? Netflix and Disney, they've suffered immensely this past year. And it's due to a few things. Firstly, I think they invested in a lot of creating original content to like attract and to retain subscribers, which costs a lot of money to do. Like these productions cost millions and millions and millions of dollars which they don't have. So I'm like, where are you getting these like kissing booth, like four movie parts? Like how can you afford to do all of this? Spoiler alert, they can't. And that also results in substantial like marketing costs that they can't afford. Now you might be wondering, well, why does a streaming business model no longer work? What is something that worked so well, as Sonia was saying, they took over the world. The business model at the time was fantastic. How did it just unravel? Where were the like loose screws that started to falter? When you start off with a product that, you know, is subscription based, you're kind of going off the idea that it's a numbers game. You need a lot of people to be joining to pay for the costs of all this large production. I mean, the amount of money that was spent on content by these media company giants like Netflix, like Disney is in the millions and millions and millions of dollars. 
That works when you have a hundred million subscribers paying $15 a month. What happens when every company under the sun, Paramount, Disney, Hulu, everyone turns up and says, we're going to do the exact same thing. And suddenly you've got segmentations of audiences and now you have less people watching stuff and you now have to pay more money to keep them on your channel or keep them on your platform because you're now competing. So you're putting even more money into production. You're putting even more money into coming up with high quality things. I mean, I cannot stress how many Netflix shows I have seen and just been like, this is a lot of money for a show. And I think the Netflix model is let's just throw so many things out there and one of them will stick. Like sometimes it will hit off and it will do really well. And off the back of Squid Games, Netflix has now decided to open and invest significantly in the Korean market. But you've also got to understand they had all these licensing deals that they were paying for to have things like Friends on their platform, to have things like The Office on their platform. And all these shows that were being licensed started to realize, well, why should we give Netflix the ability to host on their channel when we can just make our own streaming service and do the same thing? So they lost a lot of exclusive contracts. Netflix worked for like the first five years. They lost all these contracts. Everyone moved their stuff onto their own platform and it became extremely unsustainable to have such high content spending with not such great inventory and not such great amount of spread of audience interest. Now, that's kind of been an issue. Then we get into the issue of the economics of actors, writers, the industry changed with streaming and it gave them in the saddest way possible a lot less money. We're having extremely strong writer strikes right now. In the US and Hollywood, we're seeing a lot of issues with Actors and actresses realizing that to be a movie star or to be a TV star is not as profitable as it used to be. And that's a downwards effect to produce and make a movie that used to go to the cinemas and created such mass like uprisings of stars and therefore money and therefore the sort of trickle down of everyone involved in it. It's just been undercut the way the music industry did it. And so you might start to wonder, well, what happens now? What's the future of streaming? Listen, I don't think that streaming is going anywhere. I think that we're definitely not like, oh, this didn't work for 10 or so years. Let's revert back to good old television. But I do think that there are a lot more conversations about the psychology of the consumer as we're streaming. So for example, there are a lot of series, especially on like Amazon example that comes to the top of my head is Daisy Jones and the Six, where they just released one episode every week. And so for 10 or so something weeks, they had the viewer's attention and everyone was online talking about the show. And I feel like because it went viral of sorts, that really helped with Amazon's streaming. So I think just reworking how they're putting out content, especially if they're doing a series, do we need to give the people an entire season in one go. You know, let's do some build up. Let's keep them on the edge of their seats for a prolonged period of time. And I think that works really well. And I actually think a lot of people might be listening. They're like, no, I want everything right now. Why would we revert back to it? Well, actually, 
that delayed sense of gratification is a little bit sweeter. We anticipate, you know, what's going to happen instead of just having the ability to fast forward through like 10 different episodes in one go. It is really good for savoring a piece of content. And I think something that is going to be super popular is actually creating bundles. So you might have a few partnerships, like just say, I don't think this will happen, but I'm just using it as an example. Just say Netflix and Disney are like, listen, we're two big boys in this game. This is exactly how I imagine their board meetings will go. We're two big boys in this game. How about we create a partnership together, create a bundled streaming service and offer it to the people. Split things evenly. I get that it's more difficult than this, don't come at me, but that's an example of bundling a few different services together. You can already see it when internet providers offer a particular service as well. So for example, our internet provider, Bell, hello, they partner up with Crave. So when we got Bell Internet, they offered us six months of Crave for free and it was our decision if we wanted to keep it at a discounted price onto our internet bill. We didn't have to sign up for anything different. That one bill gets taken out of our account once a month. And so I think they're going to be a little bit more creative. I think I just want them to surprise me. You know, Netflix and Disney, if you are listening to this, why not? Why not just start those conversations? Well, Disney's already doing it like with its own channels. Like they've got Disney Plus, ESPN Plus and Hulu as a bundle. That's not exciting to me. You don't want ESPN? No, I want drama. I want an enemies to lovers subscription model that these companies need to give me. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, and then someone's going to write a book about like a Netflix Disney love story on these two. Okay, no, I'm going to go deep into it. And I want to keep the story content. This is my prediction. I want to put out to the universe. I think Netflix is going to go bust and I think Disney's going to buy it and turn it into a bundle. No, they're going to use Disney as like, let's recycle all of these animations that we've had in the back burner <laughs> and just release it on Netflix. <laughs> It's like Taylor Swift doing like the vault songs on her new albums. That's what Netflix is going to do. In conclusion, streaming's not going to go anywhere. They definitely have to be a little bit more creative in the future. And I also think that they have to start coming up with these plans fairly quickly to keep investor confidence as well. If I'm investing in Netflix and I'm seeing all these articles, all this ridicule online, I'm going to rethink like, hello, what's the future of this company? You know, am I even using Netflix or am I hopping on to Amazon right now? You know, it's going to make you think, girl. Do you use Netflix? I'm going to be honest. We have several different streaming websites on our TV right now. And that's because me and my roommate, like we split it. So I do have Netflix. I'm still using my brother's password, but. Oh my God, Sonia. I, I haven't. <laughs> I'm 27. <laughs> We're mooching. No, I get that. I mean, my Netflix account is the one that the family uses. And I was asking my brother and my dad, I was like, do you guys use the Netflix account anymore? And they were like, no, we haven't touched it. I only use these streaming services for like one show. Like when the Kardashians comes on, I get the Disney subscription. And then as soon as it ends, I like get rid of it. I'm like, there's nothing else on here I'd want to watch. Maybe Desperate Housewives. You don't want to watch Disney for like... For what? Memories, nostalgia. No. You don't feel like crying to Bambi sometimes? 
or The Lion King and just replaying that scene over and over again. You know what scene I'm talking about. I watched that on the plane to LA with you, I'm pretty sure, and I cried. Why wouldn't you? So we'll leave it at that. You might be then wondering, okay, you're like listening and you're like, okay, fair enough. I am understanding. There's a few things I can do. The business model clearly isn't currently working. So should I break up with these streaming services? Like I might have some of them in an index fund. That's fine. Obviously you can't remove them, but I might have individual shares of these. For a while I had some shares of Netflix. And it's really important to understand that with your fundamental investing strategy, it is normal to consider if you need to be sort of getting rid of something or adding more of something. And there's three factors that I look at if I'm making this decision. The first is asset allocation in itself. This is the main reason for rebalancing. Let's say you've invested in a fund and a couple of streaming giants. And let's say those streaming giants make up like 20% of your portfolio or even 10% of your portfolio. That is huge. And that is a larger percentage than you probably expected. I would not put 10% of my life on the line for Netflix, but do you want to do that for your investments? Maybe, maybe not. You just need to rebalance it back to your target allocation of how many shares you want or what percentage of exposure you want to one industry. The second is risk tolerance. So The value of stocks and sectors like streaming, of course, can be volatile. They are very up and down with the market. When people have a lot of money, these go up. When the kind of world gets a bit tighter, streaming service sort of spending does go down from a personal household perspective. So if your exposure to them has increased, your portfolio might be more riskier than you're comfortable with. And the third thing that we look at is market outlook, which I guess is the purpose of this episode. If you're listening to this and you're like, you know what, yes, the streaming service, like everything else in the world, is heading towards sort of tougher times, but maybe it's not that bad. I can see them already making plans to have those bundles. I mean, Disney is doing it already. Maybe Netflix will join. Maybe there will be a love story that Sonia has predicted. Then why get rid of it? Do you know what's going to happen? What? We're coming up with all of these fun and quirky ideas. They're just going to add ads. Well, they already have. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you think it's unbearable, like, getting through YouTube ads? It's going to be 50 different ads in a 20-minute episode. That's how they make their money back. (laughs) But that's TV commercials, so I guess makes sense. Maybe they should just like drop the ability to use Netflix. Like maybe they should just go back to the TV model. Like it's free. It is literally free to have a Netflix account, but there's like five ads. Make it YouTube. I would invest in a company that offers Netflix block ads, an ad blocker. (laughs) That's exactly what's going to happen. Apple releases a new iPhone and there's like 50 different companies that will like have products to make your life easier with the new iPhone and the new adjustments that they've made because people are like, what are you doing, Apple? Case in point, when we went to AirPods, everyone had a cry about it. And then there was like all these companies like, don't worry, we sell like the normal wired headphones with the new jack and they sell it for $20 a pop. They're millionaires. Innovation, eh? (laughs) Innovation, eh? This is how you're Canadian. It's the A at the end. (laughs) I've been influenced. (laughs) I've been here for over a year. Give me a break. (laughs) So I guess this is probably a really good place to wrap up. It's really interesting to see that something that, and it, it just speaks to me about why I never invest so much in one company because 
three years ago, if you told me that Netflix was going to just continue being this company that has the moat, that has the market domination, that Netflix is going to be as big and as strong as the likes of YouTube, I would have believed you. Anyone would have believed you. I mean, they disrupted the market and you would think that a market disruptor would continue to be agile and innovate. And it just goes to show like you never want to put all your eggs in one basket. Netflix, that's what they did. They put everything in one basket. No diversity in storytelling or the types of content that they're putting out. And now look at what's different between you and Blockbuster. (laughs) I'm kidding. I would cry if I was a Netflix founder and I heard someone (laughs) say that. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I actually am kidding. They've done a lot. They've done a lot. It's okay, Netflix. It's hard for everyone. Disney's trying their best. I think there's two really cool voices that you could hire on your board. One is in Canada. One is in New Zealand. I think we could turn this around. DM us at hello at girlsatinvest.com. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, if you've found it helpful, if you think that maybe your friends or your family could benefit from this if you have someone in your life who is thinking of getting rid of their netflix subscription don't send this to them because they will get rid of it and then you won't get access to it anymore we don't want that but as an investor there's so many things to think about please if we've been able to help in any way take a screenshot put on your instagram story tag us it helps us grow the channel it helps us grow the podcast and it helps us make sure that we get better and more quality content for you next week we'll see you next time sonia see you next week sim bye bye and as always to finish off with our disclaimer Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team. Bye.